<laughs> Welcome to this week's edition of the TMZ America podcast. It is Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. Coming to you from the right, I happen to be Scott Stantis. And at this time and place, I'm Ted Rawl, coming to you pretty much from the left. Yeah, with the multiverse, you never know who or what we are at, at any given moment. And besides which, you know, we could be trans-political. You know, like I could, <laughs> I could transition to a conservative right here, right now. I mean, maybe I've always been a conservative trapped in the body of a communist. I could be, I could identify as a socialist. Yeah, you just, um, we're not going to judge here. The DMZ no. America is a safe place. <laughs> is it? I don't know. Not as long as Clovis is here. And no. not as long, but it will always be kept safe by, yes, my favorite protection. We all know flamethrower drug <laughs> we still need to one day when when once the dmz america makes starts making the big the big money we can probably afford that yeah that that's true uh we'll we'll once we move into triple digit in monthly income yes <laughs> literally, literally hundreds of dollars <laughs> oh man so okay so we finally have not finally but we'd have a a second name in the Republican primary, first of which, first first among equals, was Donald <laughs> Donald J. Trump. But now Nick, his former uh, ambassador to the United Nations, former governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, has thrown her hat into the ring. Um, is there anything to be made of this? Do we care? I mean, well, first um, of all, we, well, we do care. And I think it is important. Um, we need to talk, first of all, about is the proper, I mean, you know, like once an ambassador, always an ambassador, once a, once a governor, always a governor. So which I, I would assume you one would go with the highest rank. What's higher, ambassador or governor? I don't, well, you know, it's weird. I mean, it's so weird that you bring this up because I think about this. That's the kind of crap I think about, Ted, all the time. Me too. That's, that's one of the reasons I love you, Scott. Because with I just finished well, about it's been over a year now, but I finished a biography of General um, Ulysses S. Grant, uh, also president. But when he was president, they still referred to him as the general um, Eisenhower. Well, because uh, he was also because he was also a fucking awesome, badass, important general who was deemed to have saved the republic single handedly. Well, and, and Dwight D. Eisenhower, uh, the same. The they did an anniversary piece for CBS on D Day. In 1961, I guess that would have been the 20th anniversary. They did, with, they did that with other presidents too, like Zachary Taylor, former general, um, General Lewis Cass, the ugliest man to ever run for president. <laughs> he would have been referred that way. Uh, there were several other. Uh, yeah, say, it's just it's weird. So, so you know, I, you would think that president, being commander in chief, would be the preferred title that they would want. But a lot of, like I said, Eisenhower, Walter Cronkite on the 20th anniversary show is referring to to Dwight Eisenhower as General Eisenhower, not That's President crazy. Eisenhower. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so I don't know. So in terms of is she governor ambassador? ambassador? Because it's a federal job over a state position. And also and chronologically, she she had that one more recently. So I think we should go with Ambassador Haley uh, as the appropriate honorific here. How about just the Nixter? <laughs> you know, I feel like you have to at least have shaken hand with her like in a campaign appearance to be able to really have the familiarity that comes with the Nixter. Okay. Um, yeah, you're probably right. No, I've never met her um, in our editorial board meetings. She never came by. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's interesting. How do you run against the guy who you served? I mean, you're running against them. You're, you are 
just by your actions saying that that person is incompetent or was not, you could do or, a better or job. Or is not as good as you are. Yeah, let's put right. it down. Yeah. So what, I mean, mention, like she also, look, here's the thing. Um, let's go with the, I mean, the pros and the cons. I always think this is like the easiest way to like do it, right? Like, so with the good, the bad and the ugly about her candidacy, right? So the good is um, she's a woman, she's a person of color. She She's from Indian ancestry. Um, although she's kind of like disguised that she changed her name, uh, from her, uh, from, from her birth name. Um, she's, uh, I, I think she has a certain degree of charisma. She's pretty likable. Um, uh, she probably wouldn't scare the shit out of swing voters in a general election. Uh, she would be, uh, you know, I mean, she, she can bring some foreign policy experience to the table, um, I think the cons are not insignificant, though, because as you point out, she's been all over the place. She served Trump. She defended Trump. She criticized him. But she also said in 2021 that if Trump ran, she would not run. And yet here she is. Uh, she told Hugh Hewitt, the right wing talk show host and Washington Post columnist, that she would uh, that she was thinking about, you know, she probably wouldn't do that. And he said, oh, you know, I told her. Uh, if you want to run, Nikki, you go ahead and run, you know, and I mean, and, and so obviously that's what she's doing. I don't think, you know, I, I think she's running for vice president. Yeah, uh, you've I, written you've written this. Yeah. And I said it in center clip too. the thing that we both the app that we both contribute to. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I think she doesn't have. First of all, she's not a sitting governor. That's part of it. Part of the problem is that she's unemployed right now. And I think it sort of doesn't give her the standing of a more serious candidate who is, you know, you get the sense has stuff going on. Um, you know, there's there's sort of, I don't know, there's a certain, I also wonder in a general election, if someone from South Carolina would would really be viewed as a viable national candidate. I mean, South Carolina is a really very red state. And um, it is... Uh, I mean, it's so conservative that literally I had a friend who uh, was caught speeding there. He was going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. The police officer apologized because under South Carolina law, they had to arrest him and bring him to jail overnight for if you speed over 20 miles an hour over the speed limit, which is really not that hard if you're, you know, going 70 and a 50 or whatever. Yeah, not, yeah. You're not really Billy the Kid, right? So. Um, you know, I, I don't know. What are you what are your thoughts about I, you used to you and I when we were handicapping Republican uh, primary politics four or five years ago, you really called early attention to Nikki Haley. And you were uh, you know, you were you were calling her out uh, to me as someone to watch. Oh, absolutely. She reminded me a little bit in terms of her how she managed the state, um, her gender, obviously, Um and, but but she also ran South Carolina really really well. She reminded me of, of of Palin in many ways. I called Palin months before she was ever added to the ticket, just because here's this kind of little known person that you've never, uh, you know, obviously you don't really think about or hear about the governor of Alaska. So, um, but that was someone who was telegenic was was seemed to be running the state fairly well, although it turns out she wasn't or wasn't really running the state at all. Uh, and Nikki Haley kind of ran, you know, caught my eye the same way. And uh, yeah, and so, but the thing is, you look at her today, the Nikki Haley of today, and you mentioned all these things where she's, you know, she wasn't going to run against 
uh, Donald Trump if he ran, unless he did, apparently, and she would. Uh, it's it's. It, I think you're absolutely right. You, like I said, you, I, you didn't write about it. You posted it to center clip, and your comment there was absolutely dead on. She's running for vice president. I think she's may even pull a Kamala, and that she won't even stick around long enough to to till any of any votes are cast. She may run for a little bit and then drop out. The, the thing is about her that makes her attractive is that Republican voters who aren't crazy about MAGA nation uh, aren't going to vote for Trump. Uh, but uh, the thing, all the other candidates try to act like Trump. DeSantis is a bully and kind of a dick. Um, but she uh, did work for him. She did. She did. And there's, uh, yeah, she's although, part of that administration. Although, although it's a little different, you know, ambassador to the UN that's not a cabinet position, if I'm not mistaken, right? So you get the no, sense. Just below. So she's not really, you know, she can sort of, she's not as tarnished as most Trumpo, former Trumpers like uh, Mike Pompeo and people like that. I mean, you know, she didn't, he didn't really manage to drag her into the giant bucket of green slime that is Trump world. So, uh, you know, she, she comes out of that maybe looking somewhat okay. I don't know, but she's all. I, but, I, go ahead. No, but you have to have this fire in the belly. You have to want that job really, really bad. I mean, you do. That's how you get that job. Um, I don't get the sense she does. No, I really don't get that sense. And there's she, I mean, to say that she's not a fighter is preposterous. I've heard some of that. She's weak. And so the South Carolina politics are blood sport. I mean, they are really harsh and she survived it, rose to the top. Served as a two-term governor. He's uh, far more right-wing than people want to sit, admit. Too. Oh no, it's it's Alabama. I mean, it's I mean where I live. I mean, it's Alabama. It's um you know it's it's Mississippi of of the three. You you think of deep South blue states uh, mm -hmm. or red red states rather. Um, you know, it's Alabama, Mississippi, and South Carolina are no, the most no, rabid. You're not going to like Scott, but. Republican Party, the voters are racist. Are they going to vote for an Indian woman? I, I was I wanted to bring this up um, in this conversation, frankly, because it, it kills me because it's always had that taint. Right. It's always ever since Nixon's uh, Southern strategy, it's always kind of like looked upon the racist elements of our society with kind of a wink and a nod. It's never been embraced up until recently. Um it's, well, there's the, always been dog whistles like uh, Reagan choosing to start open his 1980 campaign in Philadelphia, Mississippi, where the four Freedom Riders were murdered in the early 1960s. Yeah, uh, he opened up his campaign in front of the Statue of Liberty. Uh, but okay, don't let facts get in Philadelphia, the way. Good narrative. No, is the Statue of Liberty in Philadelphia, Mississippi now? Or a lot yeah. of statues have been moved lately. I'm just <laughs> no, that's. <laughs> No, that's where, no, when he launched the 1980 campaign, it was in front of the Statue of Liberty. Okay, so we, we will revisit this. Okay. Um, but I, I hate arguing with you because you're so often right about these things. So, <laughs> well, yeah, the little minutiae stuff. Yeah, I can, I can tell you, you know, you know why I remember it, Ted? Because it was a slightly windy day and, and, and he wasn't, I, and he wasn't wearing a tie. That's okay. Yeah. So what's, that, so, what's, so what's the Philadelphia, Mississippi thing from? I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, all he, right. may, he, he, he may have had an appearance there. Mm, 
anyway. Uh, okay, well, he, he's there. looking it up, and nothing's more interesting than listening to someone look <laughs> on the internet. Right, um, exactly. You, you keep keep the needle moving there, Scott. But let me ask you this, because you're objective. I mean, I really can't trust you to say this. I mean, is the Republican Party racist? I mean, let's just go with that. I'm going to say, I'm just going to say everybody is fundamentally i mean look everybody's got racist stuff in them but is the but is i think racism has more of a home in the gop i mean look democratic party bill clinton you know he he played race politics in a gross way um welfare reform was about like saying fuck black people i don't care about them um the crime bill was about saying the same thing joe biden was anti uh court ordered busing as a as a young congressman um, Joe Biden also campaigned actively for the crime bill in the 90s. Um, so, you know, it's not like Democrats don't have shit to answer for that, you know, that that postdates the Civil Rights Act. But, um, you know, I mean, the thing is, when you think of the dog whistles like Reagan and the welfare queens, um, you know, just like that kind of shit um, is it's been and it's not just Trump. I mean, I would say to his credit, George W. Bush seemed to not have really uh, worked that that side of the arena that much. But, you know, they've all the Republicans have always been happy to have, you know, the the, the South will rise again type people, you know, voting for them. And uh, they they've always been anti-welfare, which was code for anti-black, even though most welfare recipients were white. Um, so it seems to me like. The, yeah, the Republican Party is racist. And like, look at the very few number uh, uh, for, uh, you know, people of color and women who compared to, Demo- to the Democratic Party who've managed to rise to high levels in the GOP. Um, and, you know, look, the, the Democratic Party has already nominated a woman for vice president in 1984. Uh, there's, no, you know, the, it, we, we had to wait till Sarah Palin in 2008 to see that on the GOP side, we've seen, I mean, that's a sex system issue, but there's never been a uh, major Republican candidate who is a person of color. Um, you know, I mean, I think the Republican Party is more racist than the Democratic Party. Well, the Democratic Party has racist history. Let's not obscure that, of course. Um, you know, Strom Thurmond, who broke away because in uh, for 1948 to run as a Dixiecrat. Uh, George Wallace, of course, in the 60s and 70s, um, you you know, you had uh, and prior to, you know, you had what were called blue dog Democrats who were, you know, very much in favor of, you know, segregation, Jim Crow laws, all of that uh, came from Democratic uh, candidates, Democratic uh, legislators and Democratic um, governors. Uh, but uh, as I said, the, the Nixon uh, Southern strategy of the six, late sixties and early seventies changed all that. And so I'm, here's the thing too, I've been fighting this fight for so many years and now it, it's, it's just become obvious and come to the fore. I conservative thought the reason I became a conservative was simply this. I felt conservative um, policies raised more boats. I mean, they it just, and I, I was proven right in a lot of instances and wrong in some, uh, I'll admit. My point is uh, that, you know, it kills me and maybe I hate to admit it. And I, I think that really is what it comes down to. I hate to admit that the Republican Party has become this kind of like the the limb of where all these racist vultures kind of hang out now. And um, I don't know, it breaks my heart. 
And, uh, you know, I'm, how can I say that's not true? You know, how can someone like me, how can any conservative, how can any Republican say that it's not become a racist uh, party, a party that is, that is very comfortable with racist, like, as you mentioned, racist dog whistles. It's racist tolerant, right? I mean, that's sort of like what I, my critic, one of my critiques about Ukrainian President Zelensky, they say, well, you know, you can't have Nazis in, in Ukrainian, in in the Ukrainian military because, you know, Zelensky is Jewish. It's like, well, you same way that like you can have a black president in the United States, but he can preside over police departments that are racist and beat up and kill black people. Um, you know, it's uh, there. I'd say Ukraine is highly it's not a Nazi country, but it's Nazi tolerant. Um, the U.S. And, and the Republican Party is definitely racist tolerant. They're they're not willing to offend their racist voters and say, like, like I'm thinking of Kurt Cobain, who uh you know, as the, the lead singer of Nirvana, he hated jocks. And like when he'd see too many jocks starting to show up uh, at his concerts, at Nirvana concerts, he would tell the jocks uh, up front, like, I don't like you. Get out. Leave my concert. I hated you. You were the people who beat me up in school. Get the fuck out. Um, that's what the Republican Party could do to people who wave Confederate flags and stuff. Um, but they don't. So at bare minimum, if you want to be kind, they are willing to take the support to collect the donations to get the votes. And that's racist tolerant, which one should not be. By the way, I just want to point out, reading this from the from uh, the interwebs, from the Daily Beast here, in 1980, Reagan launched his presidential campaign from the Neshoba County Fair in Philadelphia, Mississippi, site of the 1964 murders of three civil rights workers, Michael Schwerner, James Cheney, and Andrew Goodman. Reagan spoke, as the New York Times reported on August 4th, 1980, before a crowd made up in, almost entirely of whites, made no mention of the murders of 16 years earlier, and said, I believe in states' rights. I believe in people doing as much at the private level as they can. Yeah, August 1980 would not be the launch of the campaign. Uh, but not okay. the primary campaign. It would be the launch of the general election campaign after the GOP convention, right? Okay. Um, uh... Well... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know where to you go with agree that. You disagree. I just, just, just wanted to like get that in there, you know. Well, but but the thing is, in 1980, uh, Ralph Abernathy endorsed Ronald Reagan. I mean, it was so. It was. I, I just don't see that as. I'm, I'm not. I'm seeing that as one plus one not equaling two. Um, I'll have to look into it. I'm. I'm obviously fumbling. I don't know. Okay. So, uh, we will, I, I think we, there's some controversy on this question as to whether that constituted the, you know, uh, Democrats always characterize that as the official launch of his general election campaign. But, uh, you know, there's an argument that there's really kind of no such thing as an official launch of, I, I don't think there is anymore, but as I recall, there used to be, right? Well, there there's was the, the, after there's, the convention. Right. And they also, in, at Labor Day, <laughs> which remember those when the election <laughs> the summers were kind of you had the conventions and they kind of cooled down and then you know then labor day hit and that's when the campaign started in earnest and yeah. um now not so much so because now it's it's three friggin years of this crap anyway well yeah i mean you know i don't have any kind of real i mean it's kind of like considering how in first of all we work in politics so the more politics the better as far as i'm concerned um, but and I also feel like there's 
you know, this is a very who who runs the country and you know the, is is a really important decision, and maybe it's okay for people to really think long and hard about it and and he, get to hear a lot about it. Um, but I'm not sure that there's been any extra light shed on the candidates' positions by 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 having this process become protracted. Um, you know, it seems like it's just oh. more it's more opportunity for spin and dissembling. Yeah. No, and um, so getting back to the Republican Party, just and then we're gonna wrap this section up. I'm just I'm, and Nikki, we got to talk about Nikki. Hey, well, Nikki, you're so fun. You're so fun. You blow my mind. Hey, Nikki. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think we said what we got to say. There's not much. There's not much there there anymore. There really so who's isn't. Next? Who's next into the race? Um, in, oh, it's I gonna mean, be. It's gonna be. Just, it's gonna be Pence. I, I, um, I mean. Do you really okay? Why is Pence running? I mean, in all seriousness, you're... I have no, I have no idea. Here's the thing, Ted. We've talked about this before. Sorry, you've touched a nerve, and I bet you know you would. The guy, he's running. He has still not said anything negative about Donald Trump. A man who is quoted, quoted, quoted as saying, "If the crowd wants to li- hang him up, that's okay with me." The guy who it's okay if a mob lynches you. This is a guy who you're not going to say bad things about. Well, aside from that, um, he's got the charisma of a yam. Um, Yes. Well, that's that's an insult to yams. Take it back. And there are people who like yams. Um, but they're, and I'm not one of them. I hate them. Oh, really? Oh, I love yams. Yeah. We fuck those things. I hate them. What is wrong with you? Who hurt you, Ted? (laughs) <laughs> well, it might have something to do. You know, I may later find out. You know how there's a, a genetic marker, the cilantro one? Do you know what I'm talking about? I have, I have that. I have that too. Oh, my God. Ah. We bond. So I never understood <laughs> that it was supposed to taste good. I just assumed, you know, it tastes like soap and people like the taste of soap on, you know, their quesadillas. I didn't realize that, like, oh, no, that there are people who actually experience cilantro in a different way. <laughs> Maybe yams. Oh I have a genetic marker, a yam marker. Oh, that's funny. I love yams, but cilantro, it tastes like soap to me. I don't care for it. I never understood why there are elements. I could have Mexican food one time and I'd love it. And By the way, if, time- if you have the cilantro thing, it means you also loathe Brussels sprouts because it's the same chemical. Yes, I do. Well, I was traumatized by Brussels sprouts as I a child. Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts, as far as I'm oh. concerned, as long as you can eat them, if they're slathered with butter, garlic, and like some kind of sauce, but that's true about cat turds. I mean, well, we can do it with snails. I mean, come on, we're French. <laughs> you I, know, it's I like actually like snails. But yes, point taken. But, I've never tried them without garlic and butter. Um, yeah, cilantro. Here's the funny thing: my son, my oldest boy, has the same thing, has the same marker, but he likes the taste of soap. Apparently, so he oh. likes cilantro. Yeah. That's- well, yeah. It didn't. I never found it offensive. I just didn't find it good, and it definitely likes soap. So yeah, so Janine will when she makes salsa or something, she'll leave the the cilantro out, and I like it a whole lot more. Cilantro on the side, <laughs> please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so like yeah, so so Mike Pence is the cilantro the, of politics. What's the constituency? I mean, okay, here's what I'm not getting. He's sitting there in uh, Fort Wayne or where, wherever the fuck he lives, and he's like, and his he sits down with his advisors, and it's like, well, yeah, Mr. Vice President, we we our tracking polls show that you currently pull five eighths of one percent. In the GOP primaries, <laughs> with a lot of effort, we think we can get up to thirteen sixteenths of one percent uh, in time for the for the GOP convention. 
So let's go out and raise money for this campaign and let's go out and make some appearances. I mean, what is the point of this candidacy? I mean, literally, he cannot win. I am more likely to be the Republican nominee than he is. He cannot win. So what is this about? Just by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Mike Pompeo into that bag too. Well, Pompeo is just a big, big bag of wind. I mean, come on, he's just a big fart bag. But I'm, I'm saying say Republican that. voters. No, and I'm telling you, but the ego, guys. the ego of these guys. Now, I think Pence could have made a case, which would have been extremely bizarre in the extreme, if Trump was not running. He could say, "I'm the I'm the next I'm the next term of Donald Trump." Um, I'm the I'm the Trump who who didn't get killed by the mob, even you know, though they wanted to. Yes, I show I I stared down the mob, which of course is nothing could be further from the truth. The ego to run for president, as you can imagine, is massive, and you think that you think that fate. You look at Jimmy Carter. Nobody saw Jimmy Carter coming in 1976. Nobody. Nobody. He was just this. But he had been campaigning grassroots for four fucking years. Right. But he's still a one term governor of fucking Georgia, really. And he's going to run it. And all of a sudden he turns well, out he never would have stood a chance if not for just the, the, the bizarrity of, you know, how everything played out after Watergate and Nixon's resignation and everything. Right. That we were, you know, I think the, the Democratic Party and the nation really wanted someone who was just so outside the beltway as you could get. The guys who were running, Mo Udall, who would have was a really interesting candidate. I, I kind of revisited his candidacy recently just because, well, it's on me. Uh, and it was fascinating. It was really an interesting candidacy. But you had other really good Democratic, high-profile Democrats running and uh, all of a sudden, this guy. From, so all the, I'm just saying, all these guys like Pompeo, like Pence, look at Jimmy Carter and say, yeah, no one gave him a shot. And look, he won the prize. You know, he became the nominee. He became president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's what they see. They see that I could be history could be placing me in this place at this time, and there's a horrible gas leak accident. One of the debates, and I'm the only one who survives. I'm just saying that that they're looking at history being as fickle as history sometimes can be. Okay, fair point. Uh, that's what it's I think. That's the rolling of the dice. You just never fucking know. Right. I think Pompeo is trying to raise his uh, his his um, image nationally. So I imagine to land something on Fox or something. Seriously, I think that's what he's angling for. He can't seriously think. Well, he could. He was a he's a corporate CEO. He uh, who has fucked over many like tens of thousands of workers. Why would he think that um, you know he could that that of course means you could be president? Why the hell not? Um, but with Nikki Haley, I'm still I I I the more I thought about it when you posted to uh, Center Clip, the more I'm I thought yeah you, you absolutely got the right. He, she's absolutely running for for vice president. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, so who, what other Republicans are going to have, like I said, it's going to be Pence. It's going to be Pompeo. DeSantis is going to run. I mean, he's giving every indication that that's what he wants to do. Uh, he's now, he's, he's gaining the wrath of Donald Trump. And I think he's going to see how he, how that fits. And I mean, he hasn't really responded back. If I, uh, if he has, I'm, I'm unaware. That's, uh, I guess that's yeah. fair to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's really is. So, so all eyes, all, all eyes remain on Mister De- on Governor DeSantis. Yes, and yes, but uh, but look at the polls, Ted. I mean, every poll from across the spectrum—the the liberal polls, the conservative polls, the you know the moderate polls—all of them show Trump with a ten to twenty point lead over DeSantis. Yeah, 
Yeah, and 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 that's that's before DeSantis, the anti-Trump vote gets further diluted by people like Nikki Haley. And I'm wondering if that's not this whole movement isn't something being uh, pushed behind the scenes by Trump supporters who want to do what they did in 2016, which is crowd the field, you know, really make only one obvious choice. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. And I know I'm going to be right. Anyone who thinks that anybody other than Donald Trump, unless he drops dead, is going to be Donald Trump is going to be or something. Yeah. Oh, shit, that doesn't matter. He can run from he, bars. He was fucking porn stars and paying them off, and that didn't stop him. He was going to say, grab him by the, you know, and that didn't hurt his campaign. Nothing can hurt his campaign. He's going to be the Republican nominee in 2024. I think almost certainly. Yeah, I agreed. And I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to counter what you just said there. and said, especially if, if he's, he's indicted. If he's indicted. Especially if he's indicted. Yeah. That's true, because it'll give him that sense of grievance. Uh, it'll and, give his, and, it'll and victimhood. The yeah. narrative of, of his supporters. Yeah. Yeah. Remember one of our favorite, which I don't think you have, and I, I would love, how much is this button going for? It was when Eugene Debs ran in, I want to say, 18? Mm. I mean, 16, yeah. rather. 16. It says, vote for vote for prisoner number, and it was his, his, his yeah. he was 19, uh, 1920. 1920. Because he was still in jail then. Um, was he really that long War. that long after the war yeah, it literally killed him scott i mean it like eventually the the he he became, he was he was in there for i think three years and it like really did him he you know the conditions were bad and he like me he had rotten lungs and it was cold and uh you know he 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 just basically uh you know de- de- deteriorated after he was released and Bye-bye. is that the is that the year he got a million votes um, I believe that no, I don't know. I don't think so. I think I think he got. I think he did really well in like what was it, nineteen oh four, maybe, or um, not oh four. He ran. He ran, 19, he ran, he ran twelve. Times. Did he run in eight? Um, oh wait, I, I think he ran in twelve. I know he ran in twelve. He ran in sixteen, and he ran in twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who have no idea who we're talking about, Eugene Debs was the perennial candidate for the Socialist Party in America. In one election cycle- It was cycle, 1912 when Debs got all those votes. Who was that? Was that with um, Woodrow Wilson and uh, Hughes, right? He also, re- he also yeah, that was- no, Look at that me, was, oh, 1912 <laughs> was Wilson versus Roosevelt Hughes. versus- Remember, Bull Moose, Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, was that 12? Okay, because I'm thinking of 16. Hughes is 1916. Um, That's one of my favorites. It was Taft in 1912, right? Roosevelt split the... uh, No, it was was 08. Taft Taft was elected in 1908, lost re-election to Wilson in 1912. And Roosevelt. Taft was the Republican. Roosevelt was the uh, progressive. And the Democrat was Woodrow Wilson. And Woodrow Wilson prevailed because Roosevelt served as the spoiler. I just I love the election of 1912 because it was uh, Hughes who had been associate justice no, on the Supreme 16, Court. 1916. 16. I'm sorry, 16. I love this. I love this story though. A new, Charles E. Hughes. Charles Hughes was associate justice of the Supreme Court. He was later appointed um, chief justice of the Supreme Court. Uh, the reviled court that actually uh, FDR wanted to pack because it was so conservative. Anyway, but Hughes ran. Hughes went to bed thinking that he had won California, which would have put him over the top in the Electoral College. 
a reporter called his house the following morning and said, we'd like a comment from the justice uh, Hughes. And he says, well, the judge, the judge, um, um, you know, president elect Hughes, this person at the other end of the phone says president elect Hughes is still asleep. He says, well, you can wake up president elect Hughes and tell him that he ain't president elect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, But it is sad because he definitely, as you've mentioned many times, has the, had one of the most magnificent, examples of facial hair in American politics. Oh, it is so manly and so well quaffed. It was he would, be, he would He would have looked perfectly at home behind the bar of a hipster joint in Brooklyn. Yes. Yes, he would. Um, and um, so, yeah, Charles Evans Hughes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> We've come a long way. Um, well, we should so, have elected Charles. I mean, honestly, we should have, aside from his mustache. I, he, I think he would he, have kept he his head. He was a really think, good person and better than, a much better person than Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson was a piece of shit. We've talked about this before, but he was a piece yeah. of shit. Uh, Hughes also would have, I believe, kept us out of the war. Truly would have kept us out of I think World that's War One, which would have been a good thing. So, yeah, true. On, okay, so the, the TMC America podcast, not afraid to come out against American participation in World <laughs> War One. <laughs> We dare, we dare take the stands that none will, none others shall. <laughs> that none others, that none others even know about. Um, so uh, we're going to come back uh, in just a minute and just a f- and uh, talk about uh, balloons. Ninety nine loof balloons. I'm Scott Stans coming to you from the right, and I'm still Ted Rawl coming to you still from the left, and we'll be back later. Holy crap, we're back. That's right. You're listening to DMC America Podcast. I'm trying to, I'm, this is the 88th episode. I'm trying, trying to, to mix it up, huh? Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to add some excitement to our relationship, Ted. It's gotten a little stale. It's just like, <laughs> we got uh, That's the part I liked about it. <laughs> the stale. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the mole. I have a genetic like- marker for staleness. <laughs> Stalishness. Stale- 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 do you like, I mean, do you, do you like, I mean, I can put this like regular things. Like my father was almost obsessive about every Monday, every Monday he had to have breakfast. He started to have breakfast once had breakfast with my son. And that became a thing he had to Uh do every morning, every Monday. That Mm. just became creature of habit. Do you like stuff like that? I'm, I find it, especially because I'm self-employed. I find it, it really helps me, uh, guide my day and I get very stressed out if uh if anything tries you know gets in the way like life that causes forces <laughs> me to deviate from my my well-laid plans of mice and men so I'm definitely yeah I have a you know I have a whole thing I, I need a I need that co- that black coffee first thing in the morning uh I, I if I don't have a shower until later I kind of feel really gross and and under the weather until I do if I don't get a bike ride in, I don't feel right. So yeah, I'm 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 very much like that. I'm not like one of those like pivot on a dime and like whatever comes, man. I wish I could be. It's a it's a better way to be because life is like whatever comes. But yeah, yeah. I think my, my, Janine, my, my, my wife Janine hates stuff like that, and I don't know why. What the objection is, but like you know, I have a friend and we have a standing coffee date every Wednesday. And it just drives Janine nuts. But I don't have to be obligated to do that every one. And you're just going, but, well, you're not. But but I didn't, I don't understand. Yeah, what's it to you? 
Well, sure, no, Janine comes along too, and she's a good friend of Janine's as well. But it's just like, I just don't like the, obli- I, I'm obligated every Wednesday. Like, Why not? I mean, if you had a job, you'd be obligated to show up, you know, every day at a certain time. Sure. If you go to mass, it's always every week or whatever. Yeah. Know? It's not like, yeah, you don't just show up whenever and just say, sorry, God. <laughs> hey, yeah. I felt like, I felt like, I felt like, uh, you know, praying to you on Thursday at four in the morning. Oh, hey, father, four. chop, chop. Let's get the bread. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think, look, I think pe- human beings are, we have circadian rhythms. Uh, you know, it's it's to our benefits. I mean, you can tell that from, you know, from jet lag and, and when you eat at weird times, you don't feel good. I mean, human beings, I think, are definitely meant to have ritual. And um, it's it's part of our, our, I think, genetic makeup. So all that being said, of course, that leads up absolutely non-seamlessly <laughs> to the subject of the segment, which is balloons. You know, like I said, all the balloons floating over us now, all of them being shot down. They've shot down some more. Uh, they're going to continue to shoot them down, I guess, even though apparently they're not entirely sure what they are. Uh, some of them. It, that, that's that's so the American way. Isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, let's just let's just shoot it. I mean, you have these yahoos who who were shooting at the balloon when it was going, the, the initial balloon that started this the, the, the panic because there's the, no other word yeah. for it. Yes. Uh, but these, these, these yahoos were like shooting at it. It's two miles up in the air. I mean, this thing is a little out Wasn't of range. It more than that. I thought it was like originally 60,000 feet. Is it? That's, yeah, I mean, that's I 12 been. I mean, miles. There, regardless, your average, you know, hunting rifle ain't going to make it up there. No. So no. some poor schmo a few miles away from you is going to have this spent bullet can plop it on their roof you know or on their head i mean you know in places like in 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 south asia where they shoot uh guns in the air to celebrate it is not uncommon for bullets to come down onto people's heads and kill them is that right because i'm just thinking like the, the velocity anyway regardless so we have the balloon stuff a lot to unpack here uh, that most people aren't commenting on and my first and the, the 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 overriding issue for me is should we be panicking about this? And the question is, no. But we should it's, never be panicking about anything. Well, there's some things to panic about. You're in the shower and you find that lump. You know, okay, you can panic about that until you find. Even out that, there's no point to that. You might you just get get it checked out. I didn't say there's any point to it. There's never any point to overreaction or to emotional reaction. I mean, let's be clear. But in this instance, I mean, people are losing their shit over this and they're using it for political gain, for like making putting it into the the uh, political vernacular. I mean, during the State of the Union, uh, President Biden mentions the balloons and the Republicans are going, which were sent from China. And it's just like, what is that? Why did you feel you had to yell that? Like, right. I, well, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, the Republicans are... I mean, I think they're doing it just for fun. I think the whole, I mean, you know, the China, China as bête noire, China as enemy of the U.S., I, I think you're going to disagree with me, I think is like a joke. China oh, is like, all, China is like, okay, so I guess it's like, def- depends on your definition of a threat. To me, okay, an apex threat is a country that plans to invade you. China's not that. Um, it, uh, a beta threat is a country that plans to invade your close allies. China's not that either. Um, it's like, and then like, what what are they? They're an economic, they're an economic powerhouse, and they're a uh, you know they're an economic competitor. They're a rival. 
Um, and all they're doing is shit that we could easily do if we wanted to. They go and throw money all around all over the world. Uh, they give, the, you know, unlike us, like if we build a dam, you know, in like Namibia, then we're like, okay, well, you're welcome for our dam, but it's going to create no local jobs because we're going to bring in American contractors to build it. And then we're going to saddle you with giant IMF loans that are going to have massive interest rates. And the, oh, and to pay those because you're poor, you're going to have to impose austerity on your population, which is going to cause all sorts of political instability and lower standard of living in your country. So in other words, we've given you a dam and now your country sucks. You're welcome. China's like, <laughs> here's a dam. It'd be nice if we you let us put a plaque on the side that just says, gift from the benevolent People's Republic of China. We love you. Kiss, kiss. Mwah, mwah, mwah. And then that, and then later on, maybe in three years, like in The Godfather, like that scene with The Undertaker, like there may come a time when someday your godfather in Beijing calls. This day may never come, but your, your godfather in Beijing may need a favor. And uh, mineral mining rights in eastern Namibia may <laughs> yes. given to your godfather at a favorable rate. That's what they do. That's what the Belt and Road Initiative is. And instead of whinging about it, the, you know, a, a capitalist country like the United States ought to fucking engage in the marketplace of ideas and, and just compete with them instead of bitching and saying that, like, they're coming to kill us all with their deadly balloons. Yeah, I don't think that there are friends. China, the chi the history of China has always been fairly insular and also self-serving. And that's what foreign policies should be. And, and in this instance, China has no friends. You know, uh, uh, Harry Truman's great quote, if you want a friend in politics, get a dog. You want a friend in you know international politics, get a, get a dog. Because still, because you're not going to have real friends, real allies. They're battling us on the economic front, and there's no question about that, and they're, they're rivals there. I would say their expansion into the South China Sea, um, you know. Oh, uh, the, the islands, the fake islands. Yes, which really, I mean, that, that's a red flag. You you start, I mean, it would be like if they went, like, all of a sudden there's like a We fourth. could do that too, you know. We could build fake islands off the coast of the United States if we wanted to. I was just thinking like off the coast of California, if there's like a fourth or five, I think there's three Channel Islands and all of a sudden there's a fourth one that has, has, a, has a flag. Why not? China we could just say like it was, we could blame a microvolcano. <laughs> <laughs> but they're clearly expanding into those areas uh, where they want to have some domination. And I think there's intimidation currently, wh whether or not that, how that expands. I'm looking at but they're history. Not, but the Republicans in Congress and on Fox, they're, they're making it out like the Chinese are a military threat to the United States. I mean, can, can we stipulate that that's not true? I'd say that they no, there's they're a challenge clearly, and they're clearly building up their army with an eye towards us. I mean, well, um, I think they're worried about us. I mean, they're more they're more worried about us than we are about them. In other why words, would we be worried about us? What have we have we ever invaded a country? <laughs> wait, okay, have we ever sent bombs? Shit, have we ever? <laughs> 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 I'll get back to you. <laughs> nuclear weapons in Asia, maybe. No, <laughs> we have never dropped a bo nuclear bomb in anywhere, oh, least of all um, in Asia. Oh wait, hold on. Um, <laughs> no, I think they're. they're mention, we fit. We we refused to uh, to recognize them diplomatically from 1949 until the late 70s. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a history there. I mean, we've been we've been bigger dicks to them. 
than they've been to us. Let's just be clear here. Well, like I said, they care very deeply about what happens in China in terms of expansion. Even in their history, it's been very nominal in terms and has gone uh, to the extent of you know what what you and I would look at and say, yeah, that's a normal border for them. Um, there are things like yeah, they Tibet. Haven't, they haven't. They've never. I mean, in the modern era, China has not expanded it, to any significant degree. I they've, mean, they've tried they, they, it. I, Vietnam they, they tried was to one. spread their influence into outer, into what is now Mongolia. What used to be called Outer Mongolia. Um, they've, they've, they've had like border conflicts with Pakistan, right, over Kashmir yeah, in yeah. 1962. Yeah, there's border. Um, there's, there's, there's Vietnam and there's border issues with um, uh, India. Major. These are not. Uh, these are not U.S. style like major. You know. Go to the other side of the planet to try to invade a country that that Americans can't find on a map, kind of thing. Well, they don't but, do that. They don't like you know. It's not the equivalent of like, yes, China invaded invaded Bolivia. They don't do that. Well, and you talk about and one thing I am going to agree with you on the an economic battlefield, as it were. I mean, that's going to raise the ire of um, you know vested Americans, and by that I mean rich. Uh, corporations and so on who look at uh how china operates and to me it's kind of a wonder i might add intelligently looking and forward looking i mean you have you have plans by these companies by the chinese entities that are looking not five months or you know a, even a year into the future but five years 10 years 50 years 100 years mm -hmm. into the future and so we're going to look 50 years from now you and i will be dead um, well, you might oh, not be. Let's I hope probably, No, I uh, maybe dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we won't see, the, but the 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 payoff for all this is going to for China is going to, economically, particularly, is going to be enormous. Their their roots in Africa. You mentioned Namibia. I know is just an example, an obscure example, but their uh, economic investments in in Africa have been profound. Yeah, that's true. But again, and that doesn't when, make when, them an when, enemy. I just want to be clear: the world, the, like. The word the word enemy has a very particular meaning that Americans tend to overblow. Like, I mean, the U.S. doesn't actually have any enemies at this stage. I just want to be clear on that. Like, an enemy is like you are in armed conflict against this country that could harm you. We don't know anyone like that. You know? Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Right now. Uh, but uh, as an economic competitor, they are very aggressive, uh, um, more aggressive than anything we've ever faced, I think, in history since we become a world power, really, because we had the industrial base that could kick everybody's ass. We had the distribution. In the 1980s, we ass. kind of thought Japan was that country. Yeah, remember that when they dumped the cheap steel into the American markets and it ki literally killed the steel industry in this country. It sure did. Um, and, and they and they 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 made massive inroads uh, against Detroit in the auto market. I mean, I drive uh, a Japanese car. Well, but is it? Where's it built? I bet I'm going to bet you dollars to donuts. It's built in Ohio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so not Ohio, Japan. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. So and I think with with China, we're looking at you know we, we have to be very clear here that we're looking at an economic battlefield, and they are kicking our ass. And nobody likes that. Um, but again, this is like in a weird way, we couldn't figure out what to do about the Japanese. I mean, what could we do? Um, we couldn't go fuck right. up one of their industries. We didn't know how. 
and we didn't know how to defend ourselves again. You know, I mean, there was a, a thing we could have done. We could have imposed all sorts of uh, tariffs on on on, on uh, Japanese steel and started a trade war with them. We could have propped up our steel industry. We could have paid for them to modernize. We could have done things. We chose not to. We didn't know how to, uh, given the politics and the culture of that time. But with China, we know exactly how to compete. We literally have everything we need to do exactly what they're doing. And we're choosing not to. That's right. different. Well, and we're losing, which is, of course is also never makes you feel very good. And I, well, we're not I even, I mean, we're not losing. We're not even showing up. Well, that, that that's, well, okay, but that's losing. That's uh, I mean, we're and, forfeiting. And yeah, I think that's probably the best, the best word for this. So going forward, I mean, are they an enemy? They're an economic rival. I think that's well put. And um, what, you know, what are the next steps? I, I, you know, are, so when we see the balloons, is it an invasion? It's not. They do they listen? Do they spy? Of course they do. I. And it's one of the, these, I mean, these things have been around, right? It's it, the news broke, and it's kind of like blinking, you missed it. Two major stories. One was that uh, the Biden administration determined that these, um, when they first came into office, that these balloons had been uh, coming over the United States under Trump, but the Trump era, uh, the Trump administration was unaware of it, but they were able to retro actively figure it out so obviously um and also this latest balloon uh, the China, the big first one the chinese uh, spy balloon that was shot down off the coast of the carolinas uh was uh, apparently tracked all the way from its launch in uh on the east coast of china uh well not that they have any other coast off the coast of china um <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, and uh, they tracked it all the way to Alaska and all that. And they they monitor it, monitored it uh, in the words of one of our conservative colleagues who, uh, you, you know, who I'm probably talking about. He texted me this morning, WTF, right? Like, um, you know, what's with that? And, um, and, you know, it is, I guess the question is how long have these balloons been around? I'm guessing probably 10 years or more. Um, and, you know, do they have, is there any kind of... Um, anything new about this? What does it really mean? Is there any meaningful difference between spying on the continental US from 60,000 feet from an out, from a very high altitude balloon that's so far up that jet fighter, fighter jets can't go there and a satellite that's, uh, you know, 60,000 feet higher than that? Or, or, I mean, does is this new, I, I, except for the fact that you can see it no. with the naked eye? No, it's not new. And that's what's been driving me. That's the crux of this for me right now is how everyone's losing their shit in this country. And we do it every time, Ted, we, you know, we from, you know, uh, what was his name? The the fighter pilot who shot down uh, over Gary Russia. Power. Yeah. Gary, Gary Power and uh, the Pueblo off of the North uh, Korean coast. Um, I mean, we keep and we and other spies that keep, uh, you know, being caught. And we keep losing, getting so upset and irate. How dare I mean? Hold on. Yeah, it's insane. Of course, they're spying on, on us. And guess what? Of course, we're spying on them. It is absurd. What is really absurd to me, too, and which really makes me angry is the fact that this administration, the Biden administration, and other, I imagine it would be any administration, it comes back to the classified documents bullshit, Ted. And that's that they're not telling us what's going on. They actually have the hardware of the first balloon shot down over the Carolinas. They have it. They know what it is. They're looking at, tell me what the fuck it is. I'm an well, American do, citizen. So do I we, can 
so okay i'm going to now play uh right-wing conservative here on the dmz america podcast so what if, what if that's just uh it's classified it's national security uh it's we can't tell you because uh it's too it would be giving things away that are more important that you're too dumb to understand that's what the fuck you just you just answered my question the 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 the, the, the conceit of the government that Americans are too stupid to understand any of this. This was from what we've, from what we can glean from the little information that has been uh, proffered to us is that uh, this was a spy satellite used to uh, uh, monitor communications. Mm-hmm. That seems to be, and that seems to be it. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. I'm glad so, I know that now. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's fine. Um, look, I look. I, I have to say, I agree with you, Scott. I mean, not for the first or last time. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, in I'm always thinking about the the, uh, the 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 film of JFK addressing the nation during the Cuban Missile Crisis, where he revealed the uh, high altitude satellite photos that showed the uh, Soviet missiles in Cuba, and it, you know they they were loath to do that because they didn't want the Russians to know that uh, we had that technology. Um, but it was kind of like important to, to explain to the American people what's going on and why they were so deeply concerned. And I think that's that, that was right and proper. It was a very smart move politically. It made people feel more engaged uh, with their government that they're paying for, after all. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, getting back to one thing that, you know, the whinging thing, I mean, I guess I, I, I talked about this on Center Clip the other day. It's true. Everybody spies. And so wouldn't it be better if Biden or the just went on and said, like, like sort of like talked about the balloons, like swatting flies, like, hey, by the way, um, the Chinese sent this stupid thing over our aerospace. No big, no bigs. We got it. We'll whack it when it when we when we get it over an area where it's not going to hit anything. It's all cool. But instead of being like it's like, you know, uh, Tony Blinken, Biden's secretary of state. I'm not going to Beijing. This is completely unacceptable. Oh, God, that was so. How dare you? It's like it's like, what do you mean? It's unacceptable. You can't like when you're doing the same thing to everyone. The NSA literally listens to every phone call on Earth every single day and records it. Then how the fuck? Do you get to be so whiny when someone does a little bit of the same thing to you? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, is there a danger to these things? Um, you know, we've shot down a number of others, some of which we're not sure what they were, by the way. Have you heard this? Uh, this was reported yeah, this yeah. morning. It's like some we've shot two down that we weren't entirely sure what they were. Yeah, they well, I do been- worry, I mean, about like, I mean, you know, you're a space geek. I mean, many space probes are... Uh, powered by um, nuclear means. And I always wonder about like, you know, could there be toxins or radio or radioactive power <laughs> thing? And it's like, ah, well, we'll just blow it up. It's so American, right? I mean, yeah, what's, the, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like we don't know what it is. I mean, it'd be better to catch it just to check it out if nothing else, right? I mean, th- th- during the Cold War, we always tried to capture Soviet submarines and stuff. Yeah, you, I mean, I mean that's a fantasy to go up and grab it out of midair. That's a much harder ask sure. than, than you think um sure 
But I mean, so the American people are asking, could this be, you know, can you attach a bomb to it? Can it be like that kind of a thing? I mean, well, first of all, no. First of all, that's a waste of our of, of ammunition. Yeah, no I mean, China has ICBMs. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we really don't. We, God, I'm sorry. You just, <laughs> I love ADD. Um, but, but do you remember the uh, Silkworm missiles? Oh, yeah. And, and how their guidance system was probably the, I mean, it was really pretty much a gerbil on a, on a, on a wheel. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was like, the thing was like, it, you may or may not hit the continent you were aiming at. That's how bad their technology was. And then of course the Clinton administration turned around and sold them the technology. Thank God that, uh, so their missiles are more accurate. Well, we um, want more accurate guide, guidance. We don't want World well, War Three to be sloppy. It's a win-win for America. Um, yeah, it's just so with the balloons. Um, you know, we're going to hear more and more of these stories. They're going to shoot down. I guess they're going to shoot down all of them. Uh, there are companies that actually have, and this is where um, I was speaking to someone who has a pretty. By the way, do you believe China when they say that um, they tracked ten such similar um, analogous U.S. balloons over their airspace over the sure. last? You believe them? You don't think absolutely. They're just, they're just bullshitting. No. No, I think it's absolutely. I can I can guarantee you, I can with with great authority, that we have done the exact same thing. But what's curious too is that there's a um, there are some companies that have uh, balloon trips up to the stratosphere for for space tourists. Mm. It's much more comfortable. It's much cheaper than um, than actually getting in a you know a, a rocket. It takes you up to roughly the same altitude, and you can see the curvature of the Earth. It's in your but you're in pressure. You're you know you're you're in a very comfortable cabin. Um, but I'm just thinking, how long is it going to be until we shoot one of those down? Oh, that's going to happen, <laughs> uh, Mr. Musk. Um, <laughs> whoops, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's just. Um, you know, just I think everyone's got to take a deep breath. They're going to spy on us. I think now this allows for the Biden administration. And tell me if I'm wrong on this, Ted, to stand athwart and say, see, we're tough on the Chinese. We're shooting their shit down out of the sky till it falls on the ground and goes poof. Like, yeah, it's a- funny, by the way, that the Chinese were mad about it. They were like, that, that's wrong. You shouldn't have done that. I'm like, I don't know that you get to say that. You no, know? you really no, you really don't. When you have a yeah, an unidentified flying object in your airspace, you get to defend yourself. Uh, yeah. um, and in this instance, I think it's absolutely right. But I think too, this is one time when because they could because the Secretary of State could cancel his trip to the to China, coupled with the fact that there seems to be strong military response, you can stand athwart this and say, We are tough on China. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, but it is, of course, obviously, it's just a giant distraction from the oh, fact that, that they are circling a planet that is heating up. It is February 15th right now, as we record this here in New York City, where it will be a high of 64 degrees today. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's going to be. And that's not unusual. Year. It's been like that all week. It has not really snowed. I mean, it, there was, there were like, there were a couple of random flakes one day this year. There's been no snow at all well let's bring it even closer something that we can immediately impact there are people children starving to death in afghanistan right now oh well yeah men women and children i always think it's funny when we say you know children are starving i'm like we don't give a shit about the old dudes um well when, when sarah mclaughlin dude, sings about, when sarah mclaughlin or like or some other singer songwriters sing about you know do sad commercials it's always the children so that's true. Fine. It's never like it's never like save the middle-aged men. <laughs> <laughs> Good 
you imagine? I should. <laughs> I'm gonna. That'll be my. I'm. All, I'm into unpopular causes. I'm gonna start like a support group for for hungry for mildly hungry middle aged men. <laughs> I'm, I'm just dieting. Whatever. You're hungry, for, aren't you? For peckish middle aged men. <laughs> I could eat. Yeah, I mean, you know, you- <laughs> <laughs> that could be the name of our charity. <laughs> I could eat, <laughs> but no, it's true. I mean, joking aside, Afghanistan—well, never joking aside—but I mean, Afghanistan <laughs> is like it's an atrocity. I mean, climate change. Yeah. Um, you know, the the uh, the state of the economy, which is still very worrisome, uh, you know, healthcare in this country, which is a fucking international scandal. I mean, one goes on, um, you know, college tuition, $85,000 a year. What the that's, fuck? Yeah, that's nuts. That's absolutely yeah. insane. So, all right. So we're going to wrap this up and we're going to come back later and talk about God. What if God was one of us? God is one of us. I'll let you know which one. <laughs> Helpful information here from the DMZ America <laughs> podcast. I'm Scott Stannis coming to you from the right. And I'm God. I mean, Ted Rawl coming to you from the left. <laughs> he just, <laughs> he's drawing cartoons. That's God. He just thinks he's Ted Rawl. We'll be back on <laughs>
Well, they're running out of ammunition. They're 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 appealing to the European and NATO to to please send them more ammunition. Uh, they're asking us. We've we've just agreed to send them um, Bradley tanks, which it's apparently it's going to take ten years for that to get there potentially. <laughs> and by the way, those are tanks that we were they were supposed to go to our army. And so in the event that the dastardly Chinese ever do mount a land invasion, we won't have any. It'll be like, hey, guys, can you wait to start the war? Uh, our tanks are in Ukraine. Time out, time out, time out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, OK, I guess the question now uh, facing the world in Ukraine and Russia is that is this now becoming is this going to be a quagmire? Is this going to be are we? already there yes it's a quagmire it's already a quagmire i mean look it was going to it was made to be and is engineered to be a quagmire from the very beginning so number one uh you mean look at a map russia is a far bigger powerful country with more resources more manpower uh than than ukraine number two um the the u.s and the west and, and western europe nato is willing to support Ukraine, but not to the point where they can kick the Russians' asses out and prevail. Only enough to basically keep, so that they can hold their own and keep things going. I mean, it's very clear um, every step of the way that the Americans have been reluctant to commit to anything really big. I mean, let's just say we did send F-16s. That would be a game changer. Um, they could go into Russia proper and hit Russia targets hundreds of miles away from the Ukrainian border and really fuck shit up. It also would cause World War III, which is why uh, Biden isn't signing off on it. Good for him and his and his people. But the point is, since there's no world in which this, I mean, and also here's the other thing, the Ukrainians are motivated to defend their territory. Zelensky is motivated to stay in power. Uh, he's eliminated all of his opposition parties, so he has effectively become a dictator. Um, and and then uh, Russia and Putin feel that this is an existential threat to Russian national security, uh, that they cannot have a hostile state on their border. They need Ukraine to be a buffer state, a vassal state, so they can't lose. They, it's not a war of choice. You know, look at the U.S. We lost Vietnam. What happened? We came home life went on we you know we uh we lost in iraq and afghanistan we came home life goes on but for russia they don't view it this way they view it the way we would view a war in canada or mexico we we have to win so that's why this goes on interminably i mean it's it's a quagmire and um i don't see i mean i don't know do you see it any differently no no i, I well not now i mean um Obviously, when the war first started, your the presumption for me at least was that um, uh, you know, the, oh god, the Russians would win very quickly, right? Yes, I, yeah, I, that was too. what I they thought, want. They, they I thought Zelensky would be hanging from a lamppost in three days, you know. And they and they were surprised by the Ukrainian response, and I have to admit the world was was too. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it, but it also wasn't didn't really follow the uh, the Putin. Uh, pattern, which is that you know you find like the two, and I always say, Damas and what what's the other? So it's the two? well, Donbas comprises oh, um, several regions, most notably Donetsk and Luhansk. Donetsk, I, I can't. Why that doesn't? Let's lock just in, say I Eastern no Ukraine. 
<laughs> Eastern Ukraine. And so, so yeah, so I think going, what the usual thing is that he would have gone to Eastern Ukraine to, you know, picked off those provinces and then, and then gone forward. Uh, but instead he went all in and decided to invade Ukraine, which was a massive mistake. Um, and, I mass, and a huge country too. Well, I think he, and I think he Small regrets compared it to Russia, side. but a huge country. Well, but shit, what isn't? Doesn't Russia, it's what, seven time zones, six time 11, zones? 11. Oh my, oh my God. Oh my God. It's crazy. <laughs> I've always thought it'd be very cool to dr- take a car and drive and take a ferry, you know, a ferry across. Apparently you can and drive across Russia. I think that'd be fascinating, but that's another, that's another podcast. Yeah. I know a dude who did it and, yeah. and? he said it was awesome. Oh, he didn't regret it. Well, they broke down all the time. I mean, he's alive. He's living in Brooklyn. He's cool. All right. Magnificent all right. facial hair, just like Charles E. Hughes. Wow. Wow. We come full circle. <laughs> um, as, so, as we so often do. But wait, so 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 the future. So yeah, it's um the so now it's stuck. Yeah, you can't you uh, took place uh, just on February twenty fourth a year ago, right? So we're nine days away from the first um from the first anniversary of the invasion. Yeah. So are we already in, um, you know, morass uh, territory? We are. It, we're they're stuck. It's 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 quicksand. They're it's they're. This is going to just go back and forth. You're going to have these small niggling little towns, and uh, and the, the occupiers are going to come and go. Uh, you know, here come our Ukrainian liberators. Yay! Here come our Russian liberators. Yay! Here come the Ukrainian liberators. Yay! And that's just going to go. Over and over and over again, it talks about how stupid. And I, you know, I, I always talk about how stupid wars are. And they are. They could have uh, negotiated this, but they did. They chose. Well, there not was. To. I mean, in, from the. I mean, granted, from, from the Russian perspective, they did right. Um, there was something called the Minsk the Minsk Accords, uh, signed in 2014, uh, which brought temporarily brought it was a ceasefire agreement, and basically, under those terms, um, the autonomous regions of Donetsk and Luhansk would remain in Ukraine, but would be recognized by Russia as Ukrainian territory, um, and but would have autonomy. So kind of analogous to the Navajo Nation here in the US or, uh, you know, the um, Inuit territory in Northeast Canada or Kurdistan in within Iraq. Uh, so that kind of autonomy not unheard of. They, they this happens all over the place. Crimea would be recognized as ceded to Russia, and that's kind of fair because the Crimeans really do want to be in Russia. Um, and uh, and then both countries would agree not to view each other as rivals or enemies. And finally, the last term was that uh, R- Ukraine would agree not to join NATO or seek U- uh, NATO membership. Uh, interestingly, Putin doesn't really seem to care if NATO joins the EU, uh, but uh, he no, he that could actually work to his benefit. It seems to me an EU nation that close, currency, trade, trade might yeah. be good, but yeah. like he definitely just doesn't want them to be in NATO. Um, and so, you know, these were the terms. Ukraine has agreed, has conceded that they agreed to all of these points and did not intend to adhere to them. They have admitted that. On several occasions, and uh, and then they broke the terms by violate repeatedly violating the ceasefire with Donetsk and Luhansk uh, over the years, shelling uh, those areas, um, hit, killing both uh, military and civilian targets alike. Uh, and so, the irony here is, we wouldn't be here. You know what? What you Russia is demanding is no different than what they wanted in 2014. 
but the but the Ukrainians are not going to give it to them. I think what really went what really fucked things up was the ele- the election of Zelensky and his personality. I think Volodymyr Zelensky, he's an actor, he's a showboater, and I think he saw this opportunity to sort of uh, you know he didn't really he played with fire. He was he poked the bear, and you live next door to a bear, don't poke it. And the bear growled and got angry. I don't know. Am I missing anything? Yeah, I think. Well, I think obviously, you know, how do you respond to being poked is a very important element of foreign policy. And I don't know that the Putin government really uh, acted was a great actor. So, um, um, we're obviously we're going to keep watching this story. I think we're we're you know here's what's going to happen, Ted. This shit's going to drag on for seven to ten years. And they're going to come down to exactly what you propose, what you've just, the framework you've already just talked about. That's that's how this is going to end, with ten, with thousands and thousands of people being killed. Um, all this. That's not. Tra- but Americans are fucking crazy. I mean, I read the comment sections like in the Washington Post, and you know these are people who are at least intelligent enough to have ten dollars a month to spend on a newspaper, and they don't, and they literally uh, are talking about. You know, this doesn't end until Russia, until Putin is killed. This doesn't end until the Russian government is overthrown. This doesn't end until Russia withdraws completely from every square inch of Ukraine, including Crimea. And I'm like, you realize that's an incredibly intransigent and extreme position, right? I mean, that's just not likely to happen. Well, I think Americans' view of this has been stupid. I mean, it's been like... Rah, rah, you know, Ukraine, they, and the idea that somehow- They think it's a sport. They think it's well, the fucking they, Super Bowl. Well, they also look at it as Poland in, you know, uh, in 1939, that Russia just sort of wanted to control Ukraine, so they they invaded it. For I mean, fun. There, yeah, there are other- I mean, And, and, uh, and, and they wait, think wait, that, but, the, that Putin wants to put the Soviet Union back together again. Well, there's elements of that. I think he's he's spoken to that. He certainly has said things. No, he hasn't. He said that he said that it was a catastrophe that it went away. But that's not the same. That look, you know, it's kind of like uh, you know, the divorce was bad, but it doesn't mean you want to get remarried, right? I mean, it's like he he definitely uh, you know thinks that it was catastrophic. I agree with him. I think the breakup of the Soviet Union was a catastrophe. Um, but it's oh, come on, no, no, you're and wrong. The, and the fall of the Soviet Union was a terrible thing. But I think the uh, but I think the nevertheless no. um, he I don't think he has look if he wanted to put the team back together he could have already started very easily and he did and he chose not to. I mean. Uh, he, I mean, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, they'd all vote to return tomorrow. Overwhelmingly. Well, you say that I'm not convinced that's true, but uh, I would also, but I can tell you that the breakup of the Soviet Union was not a catastrophe, but by any stretch to a lot of people, particularly those of us of Lithuanian descent or Baltic descent who, um, you know, think that uh, having an independent Lithuania, independent Estonia, independent Latvia is a pretty damn good thing. Um, and, and those uh, countries are, in fairness, doing very, very well in all respects, really. Well, they're sliding into the Hungarian slash Polish brand of fascism. But, you know, what, really, who, who are we to judge? Well, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Well, they've always had anti-Semitism. A little fascism I mean, never killed anyone. Nah, 
Now. <laughs> well, on that note, we're going to, I'm going to wrap things up a little bit here. Cause I'm getting texts from my wife that I'm supposed to go join her for lunch. Okay. So I'm going to do this. And Clovis is getting antsy. I can tell. He is. Yeah. He's, he's like, he's in my arms and he's trying to. Clovis the cat. He said, stop the affection. <laughs> <laughs> he, he loves it. He just doesn't know it. Well, where can we see yours and or Clovis's work, Ted? Uh, you can see me and Clovis's work at Sputnik.com uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Although, oh, you can see it today, actually, on Wednesday, because uh, they didn't run me to yesterday. Um, whowhatwhy.org um, and uh, rawl.com, R-A-L-L.com. And you and I are both on two things together besides this. I mean, how much more time could we spend together? <laughs> we're, we're both on CenterClip, uh, which is an app uh, which has... Uh, 30 to 30 second to five minute podcasts. Uh, and it's gotten really just damn good to the point where now I view it from being, I, I was thinking this is an interesting curiosity to actually, it's a, a go-to source of commentary for me now. Um, and, uh, and, and we're both on counterpoint, the uh, newsletter, both of these are free. Uh, so check them out. Uh, counterpoint has left versus right editorial cartooning. And uh, yeah. So, and um, yeah. Okay. So, that's it for oh, me. Okay. End of sentence. You can ask me a question. Yes. So Scott, <laughs> Scott Stantis, friend of mine, uh, what would, where, and comrade, uh, where would you, where would you, where would, where, where could, where could the good people at home uh, find your stuff? Well, yeah, we do spend a lot of time together. Are we common law gay married? I think we kind of are. Oh, clearly. Okay. Yeah, we certainly act like a married couple sometimes. <laughs> it really is hilarious. Uh, yeah, you can go to gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis or gocomics.com slash Prickly City to see my comic strip. You can go to chicagotribune.com slash opinion and see a gallery of work I do for them. You can go to Dallas News for the Dallas Morning News and see the work I do for them. Uh, and as Ted mentioned, you can see us on Counterpoint, which is the cartoonist left-right newsletter and center clip, which really is getting to be very, very interesting. I really am enjoying it. So um, uh, there you go. And Ted posts a hell of a lot more than I do, which makes me crazy. But uh, there it is. Ted has you more. Know, just like China, you could compete. I could, but or I could just bitch and moan about it and shoot down your balloons. Which That's I the think, American way. <laughs> there it is. Just, just remember, so, though, unlike China, I know how to order a flamethrower drone. Oh, crap. Well, there is that. Well, <laughs> well until what, next time, folks. What if we have flamethrower drone versus flamethrower drone? Ooh. I want to see that. I think we just created a new YouTube channel. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. See you later. Bye, Scott. Bye, Ted. <laughs>